0: Good morning, everyone. How are you on this beautiful, beautiful Sunday morning? Hope you're doing well. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm the associate pastor here at Getwell Church South Haven. Uh, If you're here today joining us on campus or joining us online, however, wherever, uh, thank you so much for being here for worship, especially if you're our guest today. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. I want to highly encourage you. Kim mentioned it at the beginning of the service, uh, but I want to remind you next week we start a new round of eight-week equip classes. They'll run for eight weeks. Uh, So next Sunday, October the 24th, I encourage you, check out what classes we're offering. Commit to that eight weeks. Find a class. Commit to it. Take it. Grow deep. Connect with others uh, in those classes. This is a time, and as we enter into the holidays, we need these foundations. Uh, So look at those classes. Find one that fits you. Uh, dive into it um, and and really just let's see what God's going to do through it. But if it's Sunday morning, if you're good for committing to the hour here for worship, but you're unable to do more than that on a Sunday morning, I want to encourage you, check out a life group. Uh, you can find out more about equip classes at getwellchurch.org slash equip. You can find out more about life groups at getwellchurch.org slash life groups. But if you need help connecting and growing deep Find one of the staff members, check us out online, grab the person next to you, start doing life with them, whatever you need to do, but let's find a way to get connected uh, together as God's church. Now, several weeks ago, we started rolling out our Love Your Neighbor Challenge. Uh, You've probably seen uh, stuff around the church. You've probably seen it on social media. And it's because this is really, for us, a huge push for us as a church. This is what we feel like God is leading us to do here in Desoto County and beyond. But it's to love our neighbor well. And remember... To love our neighbor, we have to get to know our neighbor somehow, right? We have To be able to know what they need. And so this week's challenge, each week Jonathan and I are challenging us as a congregation to find ways to love our neighbor. And this week's challenge is to honor a community hero. So... Who is your community hero? It could be anyone, it could be a teacher, it could be a firefighter, it could be a police officer, it could be a nurse, a doctor, it could be uh, a, a childcare worker, it could be your cashier at Kroger who's been there all throughout all of the pandemic and all this other stuff. Y'all, there's so many different people, so many different ways that we can honor our heroes in our community, but we want to encourage you to find a way to do just that. And so one simple way to do it today I encourage you to do more than just this. But if you go down the hall... There's a setup called Serve Sunday that's happening right now, and it'll happen again after this service. But I want to encourage you to go down there, pack a goodie bag. It's a little goodie bag. It's got some things that some of our community heroes that we've talked to have said, hey, we would love some of these things. And so go down there, pack a little bag. It has a little card. You can fill it out, write them a note. But that's a simple way today to get started to honor a community hero uh, this week in our challenge. But I encourage you. Bake some cookies, take them to the fire station, Uh, find ways to take goodies to a break room, Uh, whatever you need to do, but find ways to honor our community here this week as we love our neighbor. All right? Sound good? Let me get a thumbs up. All right. Good. All right. Now that you all thumbs up, you're in it. All right. So today we're continuing in our series, Salt and Light. It all began in Matthew 5, where Jesus said that you are the salt of the earth and you are a light on a hill. So we're to be salt and light. We're the salt of the earth, we, we bring God's flavor, God's goodness to the to the people, to the world around us. We're a light. What does light do? It reveals, it points out, it points out that sin in us that we need and it helps us offer the hope of God to the world. And so we're called to be salt and light. Jesus created us for that. And that's our call as a church. It's not just us as individuals, but it's us as a church, we're to be salt and light in this world. And ways to be salt and light is we have to get to know our neighbors, which is why we're in our love our neighbor challenge. Now, last week we were in the book of Hebrews and we were looking at how we're to embrace mission over our preference, right? Uh, We're to take this we over me stance in our lives. And by doing so, the mission of God to bring the kingdom of God here on earth, it starts to further uh, here on earth. Now, there's a powerful thing that happens, When we come together as the church, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it's something that happens not for our sake, it doesn't just build us up, but it's something that happens for the sake of the world. And so whenever the church comes together by the power of the Holy Spirit, something amazing and powerful happens that couldn't happen on its own. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. There's a phrase that you've probably heard before, and it goes like this. It says, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. It was coined by the philosopher Aristotle uh, way back when. Uh, And an easy way to illustrate this is to think about a car. Now, I'm not the biggest car fanatic, um, and I don't know all the parts and pieces of car, but I'm pretty sure that if you were to take a tire, it's not very useful just being a piece of rubber, right? It's a round circle, and that's about it. But when you attach it to the axle of a car, right, with these little things called lug nuts, then it starts to turn. It helps the car move down the road, right? Think about a headlight. A headlight's great, It, it gives off light, right? But unless it's connected to a battery and unless it's sitting in the cavity of a car, it's just going to fall out the first pothole you hit, right? Which, driving on any of our roads, you'll hit one really soon. Probably just pulling out the parking lot. But all of this is, is great. All these parts come together, but the car doesn't really do much unless it has what? Gas right? So you add gasoline to the mix and what happens? The pistons start to fire because of the combustion, the engine starts to turn, it turns the transmission, which then the car begins rolling down the road. Like all of this comes together. So each individual part has a purpose, but on its own, it's just that one part. But when you bring it together, it does something great. So, right? The whole is greater than the sum of its parts, but I want to take it even a step further. This car, yes, even though it has gas and even though it's rolling down the road, it adds value to the person's life. Helps you go from work to and from work. It helps you take your kids and your friends' kids and their friends' kids to practice right after school. It helps you get to the grocery store. It helps you go on family vacation. A car, in all of its sense, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Same is true about the church. We're the body of Christ. We're the church and it's greater than the sum of its parts. When the church comes together, combined with the work of the Holy Spirit, extraordinary things, greater things than we ever could imagine or ever accomplish on our own start to happen in this world. Now let's see what Paul has to say about this. We're gonna be in Ephesians chapter four. So if you've got a Bible or device you read from, go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter four. We'll start in verse one. one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, and this comes from Psalm 68, verse 18, "'He has ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people.'" What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions.'" Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves or blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Paul wrote, you can go ahead and keep your Bible open there, but Paul wrote to the Ephesians church in verse 1 that they were called by God. And therefore they should live a life worthy of that calling. And Paul's urging is not just for the Ephesian church, but also for us as believers too. Because all of us who've been called by Christ, we've been called and, and we're supposed to be intentional about the way that we live out our life as we follow God and as we love others. So Paul spends the first three chapters of Ephesians laying out a foundation uh, for this life that we are to live in, in Christ. It's all because of Jesus and because of that now considering that what we should do is live this life for Christ for the sake of the world now here's the thing we can't do it on our own it takes God's work in our lives to be able to even at all begin to do that and so on our own we're not much it's kind of like the car right on our own we're not much I mean, that's why Christ gave us gifts as verse 7 says and these giftings, these talents, they're not just for our benefit. They're not just for the benefit of building up the church, but for their sake of the world. And when we use our gifts, when we use them to build others up, what happens As verse 13 says is that they build us all up and we reach the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of Christ Jesus, the Son of God, and we become mature, mature, attaining to the whole, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, you may have been walking with the Lord uh, for a while, and you know exactly what that gifting is that God has given you. Or maybe you're new to the faith, and you have absolutely no clue what that gifting is. But the truth is, is that God has given each and every single one of us a gift. He's given each and every single one of us a gift to be used. And if you think that you can't possibly have one, if you're like, Hunter, there is no way. I want you to think about this. As Paul said, the one who descended from heaven here onto the earth, but then did what? Ascended higher than even heaven because of his death and now he reigns over all. I guarantee you that even in what you feel like you're the furthest way from being the person who can be gifted, that same God who defeated that power of sin and death can do that work in you. He absolutely can, 100%. Now, this Work of ministry. I love the way that this work of service, when, when the church comes together and we equip the saints for the work of service, or as the ESV says, the work of ministry. What is that work of ministry? It's the work of ministry that we're all called to do. It's to be salt and light in the world. It's to be Christ's presence in the world. It's to love the Lord our God with our whole being and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's sharing the hope and the love of Christ with this world. And as we build one another up, using the gifts that we've been given, each part doing its part, doing what it was intended to do, we become mature. We live into the fullness of what we've been called to do, and that's to be like Jesus, as verses 14 through 16 say. And when you think about an infant, an infant doesn't really contribute much to its family until it starts to get older, right? Like it's just a child, but yet, as verse 15 says, "What happens is when we, when we move from infancy into this maturity, we speak the truth in love, and that we grow up in every respect to mature body who is him, is Christ. So this speaking the truth, is, it's the gospel's truth into each other's lives. And whenever it says "in love," which sometimes is the part that we miss, but in love, it means that we do it with humility, with gentleness with a willingness to seek the benefit of others for the sake of unity and peace. Paul talked about this in verses 2 and 3. When we speak the truth in love, we grow up to be like Christ. We don't stay as babies and children, but we grow into maturity, into a full person in Christ. And Jesus is the one who is our head. He is our Lord and he is our Savior. Verse 16 says this, that when we, each part does its work and it's gifting that Jesus has given it, we grow up, we're built up, not just for Christ's sake, not just for the church's sake, but for the world's sake as well. So we have a responsibility to grow up one another, to build one another up, to be and live this life that Christ is one for us. See, our community is supposed to be set apart from all the other communities of the world. It's supposed to look very different. Um, We've been called to forego our own agendas for the Lord's. The church really should look different than the rest of the world. Think about how we're to make room for one another's faults rather than claiming revenge. Or we're supposed to live in humility and thinking of others above ourselves. Or maybe we're supposed to even pursue this holy kind of thinking as Paul says. But all of this happens because we've been transformed by God. This is a community that that is sought after because of what Christ has done for us. that's why Paul urges the Ephesians as he goes on here in chapter 4. So let's look at how how he calls them to go and embrace and live out this kind of community. Let's pick up in verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. If you've realized your need for Jesus, and if you've received his free gift of grace and salvation, then the work of transformation has already begun in your life. See, God's spirit is at work renewing our minds and our hearts, changing us. Uh, The Old Testament talks about how one day he will take this heart of stone and he will give us a heart of flesh. And that no longer will the the commandments, the way that we are to live, will be written on the tablets of stone, but it will be engraved on our hearts that's a promise that was made in the Old Testament it's a promise that has been fulfilled in Jesus and a promise that is taking place in each and every single one of our lives and because of that because of this new life that we've been given our old self doesn't define us our old self doesn't define us our sin doesn't hold us down we're not shackled to it but yet we can find freedom we can find forgiveness we can find wholeness and healing we can find hope for the future, because of Jesus. We couldn't take off the old without the work of Jesus. But because of what Jesus has won, and by the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Paul tells us, take that off. Now pick up the new and clothe yourselves with it and live this way. This is how we embrace the life that God wants for us. This is how we attain and we work towards the fullness of the hope, the full measure of who is Christ in our lives. And so what it is is that our spiritual gifts and our transformed way of living, our thinking, our feeling, all of this comes together by the power of the Holy Spirit and it offers the world something very, very different than what it has ever seen before. It's something that's intriguing to those who don't follow Jesus or know him and that's something different it's more powerful than anything that we could present on our own in our own individual lives but when we come together as the church it's something beautiful when we come together with this mutual purpose and love for the world Dietrich Bonhoeffer he was a German pastor and theologian Uh, he fought against the Nazis but he wrote this in a he's got a great little book called life together and he wrote this in this book he said we are members of a body Not only when we choose to be, but in our whole existence. Every member serves the whole body, either to its health or to its detriment. I want you to think about that. Every member serves the whole body, either to its health or its detriment. We're members of this body whether we choose to be or not. Together we have a responsibility for one another. And for this mission that God has called us to. And so it begs me to ask the question of myself, and hopefully you'll ask the question of yourself, but how are we living this? Are we living a life? Are we sharing life together? Are we coming together as the church by the power of the Holy Spirit to live a life for the health of this body, for the health of the kingdom of God coming here on earth? Or not? When we choose to live a life of mutual love and purpose, of of this transformed and birthed life that we have in the Holy Spirit, something reactive happens. Something that's even more powerful than just us being a bunch of pure people who are living in a life uh, on our own around here in town. See, have you ever seen that classic science experiment that kids do of building a volcano? They spend hours meticulously putting the paper mache together to form a mountain, right? And they get it all pretty and they paint it. And then what do you do? You add some baking soda into the top and you put some dish soap and then the real fun happens, right? See, this, this girl was the only one that was safe. She had glasses on. Because you take vinegar and you put it in there and something reactive happens, right? These these ingredients all come together and they form a reaction which is known as Synthesis, right? So it's a chemical reaction known as synthesis when each of these individual ingredients were all separated They were fine, right? Baking soda is great. It does it has lots of purposes dish soap. Thank the Lord We have it right vinegar It smells awful, but people drink it. I don't know, it's weird. Anyway, but all of these things, when they come together, they create something even greater than they were before, right? It's something explosive. Friends, the same thing happens when we share life together as the church. When we bring together our spiritual gifts, when we bring together our transformed life, and when we add the power of the Holy Spirit, great things, greater things, happen. And that's because God wants to do something greater than we've yet to see or even can imagine in our lives. Not just our lives but in our world. When we come together, when we join our lives together, when we figure out how to love one another with grace and with a shared purpose, it becomes more powerful than just a bunch of good people who live in the same town together. The sum, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. That's true about the church. It's true as we come together. And I fully believe that God wants to do something greater than we can even imagine. Greater things than we've even seen yet to come here in DeSoto County. I think that he wants to do them through our church. Not just our church, but Christians all over our county. But here's the thing, are we settling for so much less than what God really could do? Than what God really wants? There's beauty that comes when the church comes together. There's beauty that can be accomplished. There's powerful things that can happen when we allow the Spirit to come and work in our town, work in our lives, work in our community, work in our shared life together. So how do we move toward synthesis? How do we, how do we let like this volcano, all these ingredients come together and it just erupts in a beautiful form of being salt and light of God moving and bringing about new life, transformation that we've never seen before. So how do we do that? I'm going to give you four things. The first is this, you've got to discover your spiritual gift. You've got to discover your spiritual gift. I think too many times we come to faith and that's about where we leave it. We've accepted Jesus and and we're good, we show up to church, but we never take it further than that. But when God created you, he created you with intent and with purpose. With intent and with purpose. There's something that you've been uniquely gifted with that that somebody else doesn't have. There's a a flavor in you that, that the rest of us need as well. So if the Lord has gifted you with mathematics, bless you thank you for your service if God has gifted you with that use that gifting help people with their taxes help us here at the church always figure out our finances like y'all there are so many different ways that you can use that gifting if you're a teacher use that gifting to pour into children not just at school but even here on campus Find ways to pour into, to bring alongside, to care for, to use that care and compassion and that skill and giftedness to teach effectively our children for tomorrow. Maybe you're a salesman. Use that gifting to take and make people feel welcome and involved in in the body of Christ. But I want you to pray, and I encourage you, pray pray for this revealing of your spiritual gift. Do a spiritual gifts inventory, or better yet, beginning next week in our equip classes, we have a class specifically for this called Gifts of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you, sign up for it. Dive in. Find what it is that God has gifted you with. Christ has given you a gift. Use it. Find it. Let's pour into it. Now, the second step, so discover your spiritual gift. The second step forward is to do an examination. Do an examination. We live in a culture where self-examination is one of those things that makes us feel very uncomfortable, right? Uh, We don't like to sit and reflect. We don't like to even look in the mirror hardly because we hate what we see, right? I mean, that's just the honest truth of it. Every time I look, I see less hair and it just makes me sad. It's fine. But we're never gonna grow. We're never going to be transformed if we never allow ourselves to be searched, never allow ourselves to sit and do an examination of our hearts and our lives. We've got to do that work. We have to ask God's Spirit to come and search us. Psalm 139 is is a great psalm to work through uh, whenever it comes to examination. But it says that we have to allow God's Spirit to come and examine us, to search us, to know us. To point out those ways in us that are offensive to God, that sin, those things that are holding us back. And then when we do that, there's something that happens. God's spirit comes and leads us to life, leads us to freedom. God's spirit, because we've been open, comes and begins to do a greater transforming work than we ever could have done before. Where are those places in your life that that you need God to come And change you and transform you and make you more like Jesus. What rooms have we shut off to God? I think about my heart as a house often. You know, when you have guests over, there's those rooms that you close off. What what rooms are there that we've closed off to God? That we've said, no, I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to let you sweep that one out yet because it's just a mess. Friends, open it up. Allow God to come and sweep that room out to bring order, to bring healing, to bring wholeness greater than we would ever done before. But you have to open yourselves up. You have to do an examination. Now, the third way that we move toward this incredible impact as the church in the world by this process process of synthesis is that we've got to open open our lives up to be used by God. We've got to open them up. Uh, you know, we have this incredible habit of filling every single waking minute of our lives with things, right? Whether intentionally or, or unintentionally, we are busy, busy, busy. But we have to make the conscious decision to, to have some margin in our lives, to be able when the Spirit says, hey, do this, to say, okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But we've got to open our lives up to this. We've got to be able to, to respond to his call whenever he tells us, step out of that comfort zone. Last week we talked about embracing the mission over our preference. We have to ask the question, we talked about this last week, is what am I holding on to that's just my preference? That's not the mission of God. But this, this practice of opening our life up to be used by God, it goes along with doing examination Uh, When we recognize these places of preference in our lives, then we need to open ourselves up to be used by God in them. And I promise, I promise that it will always be better to choose the mission over our preference. It will always be better to open ourselves up and be allowed to be used by God than us filling all of our time and space and energy and all of this with things that ultimately don't matter Along with being intentional, pray. Open yourselves up by prayer. Pray for the Lord to come and to move in incredible ways. Are we asking God to move in God-sized ways? That's a challenge for us. Make your prayers big. Make them bold. Let's ask and let's be expectant that God is going to move. And here's the thing about a revival. I would love to see revival break out in in this city but it's only gonna start by the work of prayer and by us opening ourselves up to be used by God. All right, our fourth and final step that we can take as we move forward, as we experience God's synthesis in this world is that we have to commit to sharing life together. We've gotta commit to sharing life together to be the salt and the light for the sake of the world. See, we're members of the body of Christ, connected, joined together, together and when we come together we have to come together to just to be that to be the body of Christ and so plant your roots in this community find ways to be involved don't be afraid to embody Christ to the world to be a different community than all that the rest of the world has ever seen and known and as we do so it'll be a witness to the watching world And they will experience this love that we have for one another and that we have for our God. And here's the thing. When we come together, when we've committed to sharing our life together, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what this synthesis will look like that's going to explode from that. And so wherever you are on on those four things, just commit to it. Dive deep. Go in and see what's going to happen. Paul finished uh, chapter 3, that first half of his uh, letter to the Ephesians, with this prayer for them. And I think it's a prayer that he prayed for us as well, and it's a prayer that I've prayed for our church uh, many times, Uh, but but even so over the last week, and I think that it's the perfect place for us to land here this morning. And it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Paul prayed this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful, Lord, for your word grateful for the truth that comes from it Lord I pray that your spirit would come and and work in our lives this morning Lord that as we go from this place this truth Lord that you've called us and Lord that you want to do something greater than we can even imagine in our lives and in our church and through the church Lord Lord would you help that truth sink deep down inside of us Lord would you help us to live that out Lord, would you equip us with your gifts? and Lord, would you equip us with the power of a transformed life? Lord, and then would you bring in your Holy Spirit? And Lord, would you bless it? And would you have incredible things, abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine? Would you have those things happen in and through our church, Lord, because of what you want to do? So Lord, we open ourselves up. We have hands that are open, ready to receive, ready to be used by you. Lord, that is our prayer, that is our desire as your church, as your body, each part working together. Lord, with your spirit, help synthesis happen in our lives and in our church for the sake of your gospel and for the sake of this world. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. In just a second, we're gonna sing a song of response. And I I love this song. We actually sang it a couple of weeks ago, but we're going to sing it again. But there's a phrase in there that says this, and it's a prayer. Y'all, this is a song of prayer for us. Fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Let's be salt and light. Let's engage in one another for the sake of the gospel to go forth in this community. How are we going to move forward to synthesis? That's what I want you to do, to think about this, what you want to reflect on this, how I want you to respond as we go into this song in this time of prayer. But I want to encourage you, if you need prayer, if you want to pray, come down front, pray at the altars, pray in your seat, pray in your kitchen, wherever you are. But spend this time responding to what God's word has told us today. Let's stand and sing together.